Welcome to Tuesdays with Andrea. It's the inspiration station for everyday people guiding humanity forward. I'm your host, Andrea Rios McMillan, and every week I pursue conversations that matter with people who can relate to the common struggles we all face. You'll get to know the person behind the profession and find commonality with people of all ages, cultures, and backgrounds. Listen as friends, neighbors, and coworkers offer meaningful, personal explorations of modern life and the values we hold dear, all for the purpose of strengthening and uplifting others. Welcome to Tuesdays with the Andrea podcast. I'm your host, Andrea, and this is a show where I have illuminating conversations with everyday people that inspire me. And Janine Ariola is one such person. She's one of my best friends. She's also a military veteran, has a degree in higher education, and she dedicates her life towards improving services and programs for veterans. She's also a new author as part of the Today's Inspired Young Latinas book, which we have right here, uh, that my sister and uh, the awesome Jacqueline Ruiz, um, both former guests of the podcast, were also involved with. So we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about other things too, because... This is a busy week. This is a crazy week. One of the most important weeks. Yeah. So thank you. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Let's go into military life and what inspired you to be part of the book series of the Today's Inspired Latina. Talk to us about your journey. I came from parents who came from Guatemala in their 20s and first generation student, first um, person to serve in the military as well for my siblings. I did it because I didn't know what to do after high school. And I'm not saying that <clears throat> that's a reason to serve, but it was my reason. You know, like I, had, I felt like I had nowhere to go and there was no college prep for me being a first generational American. My sister didn't go to college right away. She married into the military. So she met her husband who's a Marine and she married that and she lived her life that way. Um, so it was just like, what do I do? My friends pretty much all joined the military as well. So there I went. <laughs> so you were first generation and your parents, did they come here when you were young? No, they came when they were in their 20s. I was born here. So. Oh, you were born here. Yeah. Well, And then how was that? Was there any type of culture difference that you experienced? I don't think I noticed it. I think my life was just my life. It was normal. It was, yeah, my normal. You know, I didn't notice we were a, a low income family. You yeah. know, I didn't know anything better. I didn't know anything worse. Yeah. You know, growing up, it's just who we are. Mm -hmm. You know, now I, I see it and a, you can tell there's like a difference between class and societies and or cultures. And but back then, it's just like, this is just us. Mm -hmm. So talk to us a little bit about your story in the book. I know you don't want to give too much away, but tell us a little bit about what is your story about? And um why is it relevant to other people who may not have served? Well, the overall theme is about fear and how overcoming fear has led me to many different opportunities and opened different doors from, you know, joining the military out of fear of not having anything besides that, you know, because I had nothing to lose, I guess, at that point. I talked about the hard parts of basic training, and then it went into deployment and um, being a single mother in the military. When I think about it, of uh, people who, who serve in the military, sacrifice is the word that comes to my mind, right? There's a huge sacrifice that you have to make, not only to enlist and join and, and act in the service of others, but then when, as a female and as a woman, a mother, 
you chose to be able to still serve during that time. And, and every woman who has a baby during the, the service has to do the same. Is that right? No, well, they choose. You can get out. Once you get pregnant, you can leave and or you can stay in. That's your personal choice. I mm -hmm. just decided to stay in again out of fear, out of fear of what am I going to do when I get out? You know, like I'm yeah. 22 pregnant. Now what? So I just continue to stay in mm -hmm. probably longer than I should have. I feel like, but that was a choice. The other people that you were serving with, did they have similar backgrounds? No, um, everybody comes from different cultures. I've served with people from who are Samoan or Haitian or African or Mexican, all different kinds of Hispanics, um, whites. It's just a bunch of people who decide to serve regardless of where they come from. Mm -hmm. When you think back about things that you learned and the experiences that you have, what sticks with you now? I learned being resilient to external and internal environments, trying to figure it out, overcoming um, challenges. Mm -hmm. The rebellion side of me, if I didn't agree with something, research it and try to find a loophole if you can. I don't know if that's the right yeah. mentality to have, but that's what I learned. In the military, sometimes you want to agree with certain stuff, and if it's not in the policy or there's like a loophole, I'm going to find it. Yeah. How many years did you serve and, and where did you serve? A little over 10 active duty. And then I did a year in the reserves and I didn't like the reserves. So I fully got out just mainly Fort Hood. And then I did three deployments, a short one in Kuwait and two in Iraq. So you did three deployments, one in Kuwait, two in Iraq. Mm -hmm. And what was that like going overseas and serving in another country during wartime, because this is now after 9-11, mm -hmm. what was that? Kuwait was, you know, I was there for five months, so it wasn't too much. We were still living in tents and sleeping in cots, so it wasn't fully developed yet. But it wasn't, I wouldn't want to say it was scary because it's Kuwait, you know, it was pretty safe. And, you know, we just did our job. Sometimes we would go out and explore the city and then come back and do our job. And then Iraq... I was lucky enough to be in pretty safe areas in Al-Assad. It was pretty safe. We never got attacked while I was there. Did casualty operations. Luckily, there wasn't much going on at that camp, so we weren't too busy. And then the third deployment was in Baghdad. And those were, I mean, it was a little more incoming fire. So, yeah, you just had to deal with a little bit more, you know, because it's Baghdad. But I mean, you say that, like, because it's Baghdad. But, like, is there a part of you that, allowed yourself to realize the weight of what you were doing? No, I think it's just our job. You don't go in there thinking that it's an impactful mission or that you're doing something impactful. It's just, okay, we're deploying again to go over there, do our job and come back. It's how I just always saw it, you know, and that's what I did. Mm -hmm. And was there any times there that you were scared or that you were proud of? No, I mean, I think you're constantly just aware of your surroundings. And I mean, you're constantly feeling some kind of anxiety or fear. I don't think that ever, I mean, for me, that never really went away. We had a lot of incoming missiles at night, you know, when you're asleep. And when the alarms go off, you get a little panicky, you know, but that was just the normal over there. Mm-hmm. Did other people that you were around, did they feel the same way? It was kind of like, we're just here. We're going to 
get done and we're going to go back. Was everyone in that same mindset? I think so. First, you're scared and excited and then you become complacent, I guess, in a sense, because you're just doing repetitive stuff every day becomes a habit, right? You wake up, you go to your shift, you go to work out, you go to dinner, you come back, go to sleep, wake up, do it again. Same. It's the same momentum every day, all the time, seven days a week, you know, and now we're casualty operation. So we were always, that's a 24 hour operation. So it was just the same stuff over and over again. Did you see a lot of casualties? Did you see a lot of people wounded and hurt? And you no, know, I didn't see anybody. We just did the reports part of okay. the operation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you came back, and then that's when you got out. I came back. Then I got stationed here in Illinois, and then I decided to get out. Mm-hmm. And why did you get out? There comes a point in the military where you just stop growing. I just felt like the military was not allowing me to grow outside of the military. Like, you can continue to grow in the military if that's what you wanted to do. But I didn't want to do that anymore. I had been stationed at Fort Sheridan for three years already, so I knew it was about time that if I decided to stay in and get promoted and and move, then they were probably going to send me. I hadn't had an overseas assignment. The only overseas assignments I had were deployments, so I knew knew that was coming, you know. And then that meant leaving Amaya again. And she was young. Yeah, she was like kindergarten, Mm -hmm. first grade. And I was just like, I just... I just felt like it was time. Yeah. You said leaving Amaya again. Um, Do you want to talk about what that was like as a mom and having to make those decisions? It was also a choice made out of fear of how am I going to support her if I get out at this point? You know, I didn't have a plan. Part of the job was leaving her, you know, and it had to be done. There was nothing I couldn't do besides getting out if I wanted to get out. So I sent her home to my mom and went on my way. How was that? I mean, knowing that you have a family that's supportive and can take care of her, I mean, it lessens the worries. You don't have to worry too much. So I wasn't really worried about her health or her well-being, but you you do miss, like, the special moments. You did something a lot of parents couldn't do in service of other people who will probably never understand the sacrifice you made, probably never get the credit, and nor did you do it for those reasons. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I, I don't think a lot of people have that in them. And I, it's something I respect greatly. You know, I... I, I, I don't, and, I, and not like you're sacrificing your daughter because she was well taken care of. <clears throat> but as a mom and being able to make that choice, I think is very bold and brave. Thank you. But I also feel like when you have no other choice, you're going to do what you need to do. You know, so whether you think you have it in you or not, you're gonna right find now... A you'll be surprised when your back's to the wall, like, what do you do, you know? And and then you just have to face up. Yeah, and just do it. Do you think that in doing that, there's a part of you that had to block everything else out? Once you made that choice, like, okay, now I have to, like, sh- shut these emotions off. I have to shut the door because I have to go through this other door right now. Yeah, I think I've done that ever since I've been little. And maybe that's why I don't recall a lot of like the bad things in my childhood like my brothers do because they'll be telling me stories. I'm like, really? What? Like that happened? <laughs> so, um, and I think I just do that internally by myself without even knowing that I do it, that I just turn off something because I don't remember a lot of the stuff. Even like when our friend Lupita, she's like, you don't remember that in high school? I'm like, no, I don't, you know, because I feel like I just block it off. Yeah. Unaware of it. It has to be a mechanism 
a defense mechanism, I'm sure, of how I cope with stuff. Which yeah. I probably wasn't sure that I could knew do. I do. Yeah. And then that probably served you well when you were in the military to be able to continue on in service for as long as you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you look back, are you proud of your service or are you still detached? Um, no, I wouldn't call it proud. I don't feel like I did anything that anybody else wouldn't do to be honest like you say that you wouldn't do it but I feel like if you had no, no I wouldn't <laughs> I have and I like that's what you say Andrew but I feel like if you had no other choice if they say either you join the military or I kill you you're gonna join, the, join military. the military right so that's what <laughs> but <laughs> so I feel like I don't feel like I've done anything that anybody wouldn't do if they needed to do it you know, so I don't, I wouldn't say I feel proud. I just did what I needed to do at that time in my life. Okay. You know? Yeah. So I don't know if that makes sense to a lot of people. And, you know, everybody has their own reasons for joining. You know, some people are very patriotic and they do it for the love of their country. And, and I didn't do it for the love of my country. I just did it because for me, it was the last resort at that time in my life. Do you think that that has something to do with growing up poor? I think it has something to do with not knowing your other options, right? If I would have known that I could have gone to community college because I didn't have the grades to go to a four-year institution, you know, like my grades were just bad. If I would have known about financial aid, which I didn't know what financial aid was, if I would have known that I could have maybe trained in some kind of career that didn't involve college. A trade. Like a, yeah, trade, work, work, study program. Something. I would probably would have done that too, you know, but I didn't know anything else. And that was it. Do you regret joining? No, oh, definitely not. I, I don't regret joining at all whatsoever. I do regret staying in longer than I should have. What would have been that moment earlier? Like if somebody is in the same position and maybe they're staying longer than they should have, what was that moment that triggered you to recognize that Maybe I could have left earlier. I didn't realize that until I got out. Oh, really? Yeah. You know, uh, it was at the very end of, I mean, if I could have just, I would have done my four years and gotten out. Shoot, to be honest, I would have gone reserves and that would have been it, not after duty like I did. If I would have known how the reserves work, which I didn't know. You know, when, when you're going into the recruiting station, it's not like they lay out a map you know, you for the, you. You are the worst recruiter. For, <laughs> this is going to come out before Veterans Day. And some people are going to want to be a Patriot veteran. And and you're like, they, no. No. I, but it's true. To this each is to each his yeah. own, right? Like I said, I mean, I'm not here to recruit anybody into the military. If you want to join, join. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a great thing. To each, you make of it what it is, right? You make your own experience. You can make it a great experience. You can make it a horrible experience. That's going to be an independent choice. But to me, I just, if I would have known everything I could have done, I would have done, you know, if I would have known about the green to gold program where you can go in as an officer, if I would have known that your ASVAB score (laughs) determines your job before I took it, I probably would have done a little bit better than I did. There's just so much I didn't know. And the recruiter didn't tell me, you know, do I feel like they should be more informative? Yeah. 
because a lot of the stuff that you do before you get in is going to affect you once you're in. And once you're in and they assign you a position, is there a room to grow? Is there, there like, can you say, mm, excuse me? <laughs> um, I don't like this. I don't like this. This isn't for me. I want to quit or can we? Can I work in computers? <laughs> there is, depending on the score from that initial test that you took prior to coming in. So you don't know how valuable the ASVAB test is until you're actually in. If you're yeah. in, can you quit? Once you're, you can. Be, be, if you're in, like, like, like you know, if I say I want to go in and you didn't fulfill your two-year contract or whatever you signed, can you quit? No, you can get fired. They'll kick you out. Is it an honorable discharge? <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Depending on why, you know, like people can get discharged for many reasons, you know. It can be other than honorable conditions or it can be dishonorable if you get out on like really bad terms. But then that also will affect other things, which you don't know. You know, I didn't know that if I got out on dishonorable discharge, that can affect my education benefits. That can affect um, me applying for veteran preferences or state jobs that, you know, will give you points for veteran preference and stuff. But once you're in, you're basically in and within that position that you're given until a renegotiation period of reenlistment. Right. Okay. Does that make you feel stuck in a way? Not if you like what you're doing. Yeah, some people are fine with it. When it comes up to renegotiate your contract, you can try to leave where you're at. You can do a school option where they'll give you time to actually go to school for a couple months um, while you're still working, right? Or change your job. So I guess I feel like you feel stuck unless yeah. you don't like your job, but you picked your job coming in prior to your score. So like, what can you really do? Mm-hmm. Like if you didn't like it, then you didn't have to join. Yeah. You knew what you were doing when you signed up. That's interesting. Do you feel that it's helped you? Like joining and, and serving in the military, has that helped you? Is it something that you're able to take tangible skills away from? It's going to sound really cliche, but you learn to work with a diverse group of people from all different cultures and backgrounds and social class. And you learn leadership skills because even sometimes as a private, you can have some kind of like leadership put on you. And and as you grow, it only gets more intense. Did you feel when you got out like, I'm tough, I'm strong, I'm brave. I am a patriot. No, uh, no. <laughs> that is so amazing to me that you don't feel that way. Like, if I got out and I served three tours, oh, girl, you're probably walking around like I'm a badass. <laughs> badass, here I am. I have arrived. You don't feel like that at all. No, I, I don't. I don't feel like I'm better than anybody or that I put in more sacrifices or more time into this country than anybody else. Uh, I say I'm a unique veteran because I don't feel like I'm owed anything. It's just what I chose to do when I felt like I had nothing. Yeah. So when did you realize you had something? You know, (laughs) when I got here in Illinois, it was like, okay, I don't want to do this forever. Let me start figuring out something else. And I started going back to school online, you know, and I remember like one of my sergeants at the time, he uh, saw him first class, uh, McLean. He's like, come on, you can get promoted. You can stay in. I was like, I don't know. Like, I'm done. I want to get out. I want to do something else with my life. I want to go back to school and actually finish my degree. 
and just find out where the wind takes me. I, at this point, like I just was done. So what is a patriot to you? You know, I think the media has construed a vision of what a patriot looks like. You know, a male flag waving will do whatever it needs to do to defend its country. Gun toting. Yeah, completely. You know, do I believe that the ultimate patriot would be somebody who serves? Yeah, you know, to a sense. But I also believe that a patriot is somebody who loves and supports their country regardless of government affairs and respects the people in it. You know, because you, if, if you're a patriot, then you love and respect the constitutional rights and the freedoms that you were given that applies to everybody, not just you or me or a certain race, but everybody that, that's here has those rights, you know. And when you serve in the military, that's what you swear to defend is the constitutional rights against all enemies, foreign and domestic. I'm about to preach here, but... Preach! <laughs> no, but, um, preach. So that's the oath you take, you know. That's what you raise your right hand and swear to defend. So I feel like if you are a patriot, you don't have to serve because you can defend those rights here at by voting home. and by, by being voting, engaged. By speaking up when something isn't right that the government is doing or that you see in the streets. We all have the same freedoms, religion, speech, protesting, and we should be utilizing those. You know, that's what people have died defending for mm -hmm. you to use. And whether protesting looks like kneeling for the anthem or marching down the street. Like Martin. Like or Martin or Colin then those are both respectful ways to protest and to use those rights. And I feel like if you're a patriot, you may not agree with them or what they're doing or for why they're doing it, but those are their rights and we should respect those rights and those freedoms that they have to do that. And it's just respecting the differences. You know, maybe you, you're for Trump and I'm not, you know, and I should respect that. You know, we're friends and it's not like it's unpatriotic if you vote for Biden and don't vote for Trump. I don't see it that way. You know, you, you have the right to vote for whoever you feel like you should vote and should win. And that's your right. And I respect that. And that's what we need to respect is the as a patriot, I feel like it's the rights that we all have. Have. So being apolitical in terms of what party do you ascribe to, but being very intentional about supporting the Constitution and all that it means for us as Americans and the freedoms that it gives us. Right. And it, it doesn't mean that you have to be American born and bred to be a patriot. You know, you can be somebody that came into this country and grew up here as a child and you love the country and you want to support what it stands for and what it means to you and your own values. And, and that's okay. And that can be patriotic, mm -hmm. you know, and we should all be like, yeah, they love the country. They're not from here, but they love it. And they love the opportunities it's granted them and the possibilities that it can grant them. And we should see that as a positive thing and not as a negative, like, oh, you're not from here, so you can't be a patriot. Mm -hmm. Or if you didn't serve in the military, right. you're not a patriot. Correct. Right. I've said before, you don't have to serve. The military is not for everybody. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to serve to be a patriot because there's other ways to do that. Mm -hmm. Before we go on to your life post-military... Talk about Fort Hood, because Fort Hood has been in the news recently. Mm -hmm. There's been two big uh, national headlines, and unfortunately, people lost their life, and there's been a lot of speculation. And, and a lot of people think it's foul play, mm -hmm. right? What was your experience at Fort Hood? I didn't have a bad experience at Fort Hood at all. What do you think about those cases? 
uh, uh, with Vanessa Gullian. Yeah. How do you say her name? Kian. Kian, I think. Um, I probably butchered that, but you know, I was following the case like completely indulged in it. You know, the Facebook groups that were associated with it. I was all in there, and I, I, I it was fucked up. You know, I feel like they, sh- you know, if she was missing, her family should have, like, where were her friends is what I'm asking. Like, where are your friends? Where mm-hmm. are your battle buddies? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think about my battle buddies who I still talk to. I feel like I, if I was missing for like 24 hours, my friends would have been like, where the fuck are you? Mm-hmm. But do you feel like there's any foul play there in terms of rank? Maybe they're silent, maybe for a reason. I feel like this uh, is a way to get my podcast banned. Probably, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not thinking here. <laughs> I feel like is there room for speculation that there was foul play? Yeah, you know, can you think that there might have been? I think there might have been some foul play. What kind of foul play that is? I'm not sure. I just feel like the way the military handled it was messed up. But it wasn't your experience while you were there. It was not Nothing. my experience. Were women treated fairly? Were women treated with respect? Did women feel safe there? The people I surrounded myself with, you know, I didn't hear any complaints. I mean, I think sexual harassment is very common in the military. I got to the point when, it, you know, the jokes and the cat calls or, you know, vulgar language. Uh, you know, I just came to the point where, like, as long as you don't touch me, I don't care what you say. Say your little jokes. You know, you can't control everybody. So just don't put your hands on me, you know. And but you were able to draw that line. And there was a semblance of respect there. People know who you can mess with and who you can't. And I just feel like, just don't put your hands on me. Bottom line. Well, I don't, I don't even want to say that because I feel like sometimes you trust the wrong people. Mm-hmm. You know, you fall victim to... A, to, a predator. Pre- right. Yeah. You know, um, and but so you were lucky. I was, sense. you know, I was, I was blessed. You know, I didn't have any issues of any of that. And then you get out yeah. and you're with the Maya and you're now making the decision to go back to school. Do you feel prepared at that point for living in the civilian world? I planned on getting out and I knew I was getting out. It wasn't as bad of an adjustment as some veterans can experience. Lucky for me, one, I was home. I was in Illinois and, you know, I had a good support system. I had friends who had gotten out prior to me that also could answer questions that I had. So I, I really didn't have any adjustment issues into the civilian world like some veterans can have when they transition back. Mm-hmm. And then you started school. I did. I decided to, one, because, you know, it pays for your tuition fully and then you get a, st- a housing stipend. So that's extra money in my pocket. So I was like, well, I'm just going to go to school because that would be my job, right? I'm getting paid to go to school. It's yeah. the way I saw it. So, yeah, I started at College of DuPage in the community college, went there for a year. And then I transferred over to North Central. And then you stayed there. I stayed there for the next five years, getting my bachelor's and my master's. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then working in the veterans program. Right. I became a graduate assistant at North Central with the veterans. Mm -hmm. And what do you take away from your time there? What did it teach you? Relating to the younger generation, for one, right? I'm I'm here 30-something years old, going to school with 18, 19-year-olds. So it was just appreciating that generation and their views and thoughts that 
somebody that who might not relate to them too much or be around them too much can look at it and be like, like, really? You yeah. know, I appreciated their ideas. What are their ideas? Like, what is that next generation that is in college right now? I mean, I have a brother in college. So you should know him. But, he, but he's, yeah, like, okay, I mean, one person. But like, what from your experience, what did you find out? I, well, from, the, and I can only speak on the students that yeah. I had in class, right? Yeah. In my cohort that I've experienced spent many countless hours with them and I think they're very driven. I think a lot of them know what they want and will go after it regardless. I think they're outspoken, but I also feel like they lack in common sense sometimes. Are they soft? Because this is what you hear a lot. And I feel like as a parent, maybe in some ways. I think they're entitled. I don't think they're soft. I think they expect something and when you don't give it to them, they might feel a certain kind of way. Because this is also the technology generation, the generation that grew up with only knowing devices and immediate almost gratification. So in that way, I can understand the entitlement. I can understand the expectation of like, I want this now. Right. Yeah. I mean, I was in class one day and this girl, uh, I was a sales class and our professor asked, does anybody know what buyer's remorse is? That was the question. Of course, I know. You know, I didn't I didn't participate that day, but nobody was participating. And so he asked, young, freshman, 18 years old, just graduated. Can you tell me what buyer's remorse is? And she looks confused. And she's like, I don't know what remorse means. <gasps> no. Yes. I was. I was. In was sh- she serious? I don't know. And all the professor said is like. Okay, can somebody else? <laughs> what do you <laughs> like? What do you say to that? Yeah. You know, but I was like, God, do you not know what remorse is? But then I start thinking, it's like she's probably never experienced it. She probably has never felt bad for doing anything in her life. You know what is and, interesting about that is kids. They're not getting out and meeting each other as much. Mm-hmm. They're not talking to each other in person nearly as much because now there's so much of those like needs that are satiated with technology, which isn't a bad thing. It's just being realistic about the world that they're living in. And also into that point, like, yeah, you're not, if you're not out there doing, how can you feel remorse sometimes? If, if you've never experienced it, I get it. You know, they, she's 18. Like what has she done? I don't know. Maybe she's been sheltered her you're whole like, life. Girl, come here. Let me. <laughs> I have too many things <laughs> that I regret. You, let me teach you remorse. <laughs> <laughs> so it gave you more understanding of a younger generation as well as the education to be able to uphold the knowledge requirements that will help you in the career that you want to have. Yeah. And and then, you know, being an adult student, I was able to also relate to the professors a lot more, which, you know, I enjoyed because you're able to talk, better understanding with them and why they think the way they think because you're kind of around the same age. (laughs) (laughs) And you could appreciate them a little bit more. (laughs) I appreciated that too. You find um, kind of like a sense of belonging sometimes, but you have to be open to that as a student veteran. Also, you know, a lot of student veterans sometimes close themselves off to just going to school, leaving campus, coming back when you have class and that's it. They don't stay to engage they don't socialize with the younger students because they can't relate to them. Yeah. And sometimes you don't even talk to your professors, you know. And I, even though I was like that maybe the first year or two, after a while I said to myself, okay, this is the year. And I talk about it in the book as well, the year of yes. 
my personal year of yes that I got from um, Chandra Rhymes, mm-hmm. I think. I decided my senior year was going to be my year of yes. And, you know, I start to, okay, relate to the students, talk to them a little bit more, engage, you know, any opportunity that came. I kind of like took it on, even though I kind of didn't want to. I was like, no, I said I was going to do this. So I'm going to do this. And, and it, you learned a lot. You know, I started building. That's where I think all my closer relationships came. It was my senior year when I allowed myself to like open just up. Open up. And ex- enjoy the experience that we're in, right? Because you, know, you can grow from that. And what uh, did you do? Uh, you you went camping, and, well, hiking, hiking. Okay. Yeah. Yes, I didn't want to do that, but you know, I had an intensive boss who was like, "No, you got this. You can do it." And he was a marine, so he was really gung ho. Gonna go. <laughs> <laughs> and I I worked at College of DuPage, and College of DuPage had this great program, and I wish you know. If anybody wants to donate a grant <laughs> to call to the page to bring this program back, you know, we're open. We're like, <laughs> but, I volunteer as tribute uh, to lead it. But I, I thought it was a great program. It was what a, describe it? It was a field experience for veterans. And what the program did was help with group communication. It was a speech class, but it was all out in the mountains and hiking. So it was a week-long program. A field experience, and then um, in between that, you had classes, you had uh, assignments that you had to do, you know, papers that you had to write in. At the very end, you had to present what you learned throughout the class, you know, and, and presentation. And um, it was completely funded by the foundation of College of DuPage, I believe. And the student use, can use their benefits to pay for this class. So you didn't have to pay for anything besides. Um, what you were wearing, it, you know, maybe some hiking boots if you didn't have any. College let you borrow hiking gear, book bags, sleeping bags. All that came from the college that they allowed you. So it's just clothes that yeah. you had to bring. How many people? Well, you had to apply and you had to get accepted and it varied. Um, when I went, there was probably like 10 of us. And was it like a semester program? Yes, it was a semester long class during the summer. So it was eight weeks okay. long. So, you know, you're prepping to go prior and with all these other assignments that you have to do. And then the week-long camping experience, we we go and we are, you know, climbing mountains that I was terrified. I did, Like I said, I didn't want to go. One, I was going to be the only female going, which technically isn't a problem, but I knew that I'm going with a bunch of Marines. Here I am, an old little army girl. I am not fit like that you know I didn't join the marines for a reason (laughs) so I know they were going to be like stellar hikers or walkers and carrying all their packs and stuff and I told my boss I was like "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh he's like no you got an in you no worries you know he's like we're not even walking that fast and he was trying to hype me up you know and I went back and forth with this like do I go do I not go I was like you know my year of yes why not so I decided to go and luckily we were actually able to get a life coach to go. So I was like, okay, now this is awesome. Life coach and get my life together out in the mountains and the wilderness. You know, this would be kumbaya. Like, I'm all for it. And you this know? is recent. This is what, March? No, this no. was July. No, it's been two years. Oh, a year a, and a half. Year and yeah, a half. Last, not this summer, summer last summer. summer. Okay. So I thought it was going to be great. And I get there and nothing but challenges left and right from... Obviously, being one of the slower ones walking, because I'm here thinking it wasn't going to be too bad. You're just walking, but man, my feet hurt. Like, they didn't get no blisters. I'm scared of of heights. I'm scared of heights. 
Okay. Like, I don't even know what I was thinking when I went, like, I'm scared of heights. Like, how are you going to climb 12,000 feet when you're scared of five, you know? So, you know, so I'm here climbing and I'm like on all fours crawling at the edge of this mountain because I didn't want to go any further, but they wouldn't let me stay behind. And I'm here, like, I feel like I, I cry. I did cry. I don't think anybody saw me because they were so far ahead. <laughs> but but then you start seeing these, you see Amish people hiking in skirts. I was like, girl, get it. That's what I'm talking about. You see little eight-year-olds climbing. I was like, all right, I see you. What do we, you know, I was like, I'm, I'm fine. You all keep going, you know, like I can't, you know. And there was this one moment where the, there was a son. I don't know how old he was. And, and I guess the family had left, went behind and because he was slowing down. He was tired and he just decided, he's like, I'm done. I'm sitting down. So he sits down and I'm here watching. I was like, okay, I, I feel like that too. I'm going to sit down next to you, you know. <laughs> then his dad comes back and he's like encouraging him. He's like, you got it, buddy. You know, we're almost up there. It's right there. I was like, oh, okay, it's right there. Okay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm here. The I'm dad, here in the motivation. The to you. <laughs> right. So finally, he, you know, he gets up and he starts walking. He's ahead of me, you know, because he's, he's walking past he energy for days. <laughs> right. So I'm going and then we get to the point where it's all snow and people are sliding like and it's the edge. And I was like, uh-uh. is it cold? Um, cold, but you don't feel it because you're um, hiking. I'm hot, yeah. you know. But it's not like you have to wear a jacket. I just had like a sweater and some gloves because I'm I'm on all fours. So I'm crawling and my hands are getting cold. So because I'm like yeah. on the snow and I get to almost the top. I don't, I don't even know where it ends. Like it just it just seems far. And this lady, I mean, she's rocking it. That girl's like jumping, like probably running it, you know, older lady with her mom. So it's a grandma also that's climbing and she sees me there and, you know, she's like, and where, I, where was the motivational coach now? Right? No, she left me. Her, her butt was up there. So there's an ice lake at the very top that everybody was going to. But at that point, I was done. I'm sitting there at the edge, just staring at the view, probably a little tear coming down because I'm just so done and I'm scared. Like, I'm the whole time I'm thinking, like, how the hell am I going to get down? Like, one, coming up is one thing, but how am I going to get down? The lady, you know, she comes up and she's like, you're almost there. She's like, do you see that peak right there? She's like, that's the top. She's like, you don't have to go to the ice lake, but that's the top right there. It's like, that's it. You're right there. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> you know, like, and I was like, you're right. It's right there. So I, I made it to the top. I didn't make it to the ice lake where everybody else was, but I just needed a moment to myself, you know? So I made it to the top. I sat there for a minute, took off my socks because I was, my feet were wet too from going through the creek or whatever, but I felt accomplished, you know, that I made it to the top. 12, yeah, to the top. You know, I climbed a 12,000 feet mountain, made it to the top. I might have not have made it to where everybody else was. And that's fine with me. You know, yeah. I didn't care. And then comes coming down where I'm like scared and on my butt, making it all the way down <laughs> to the mountain. But I made it. It was a tough climb. Then there was a 14,000 feet mountain that I was not going to climb. Like, peace out, have fun, enjoy. I'm going to be right here. I'm not going to that. It was just an experience. I am glad I went. I don't think I would have ever done it. But as a student veteran, I felt like it was an impactful event for the students. At that time, I, I didn't need it because I wasn't a student anymore, you know, or I was a grad student. But I feel like for those who were just transitioning out and just starting, I think it was very beneficial for them because it gave them a support group. You've came through these challenges that you're climbing mountains, you're, you're growing together, you're building these relationships, and now you have a support group at the school. 
and you, you um, are sharing experiences. There's a point where we're sharing each other's experiences and people, they got, these guys were crying. Some of them were crying, you know, because they were just going through so much. And the fact that you know you're not alone at that point, like, you know, you have somebody else there. I think some veterans need that group, yeah. that support group within each other. Yeah. So that's why I say I feel like it's a very impactful experience because you're able to really get to know each other during that time. And during the hikes, we're, we're doing different activities too. Like, okay, you've been talking to this person, pair up with somebody else, and now you're going to be talking to this person. So mm-hmm. throughout the whole hike, there was different activities where you were forced to interact with each other, mm-hmm. even though some people are not as talkative and don't like to talk. So I just thought it was a great experience. And at the end, you had to present and I learned a lot. I even learned stuff about myself that I didn't know. Like I wasn't such a good team player that I like I thought I was. And then I realized I'm not as good of a team player as I could be. I learned that about myself because I'm here thinking I was a great team player. And then I realized I wasn't when they were offering to help me with stuff like carrying my pack. And I was like, no, I got this. I can do it. Just because I'm slower than you doesn't mean I can't do it. Instead of having like a team mentality, knowing that we had to get to a certain spot because it's about to get dark and we have to get there to set up camp. So just give me your pack and then we can walk. And if I would have been thinking about the greater good of the team, I would have been like, okay, without being like so selfish about it and Uh having my own personal goal that I wanted to achieve. So it was just like little, I was like, okay, so I wasn't a good team player. I can work on that. Mm -hmm. You know, I saw that. I I realized it. I acknowledged it. And I even, you know, when I was giving my presentation, I, that's, I talked about that. Like I wasn't, and I could have been, and I apologized for that. What was the response? They, they, you know. Thank you for saying that. You know, just simple. they're like, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, I still talk to some of those guys today, you know, but at the end, you know, it had, it had to be my boss. I came down and was like, give me your pack. And I was so pissed at him. Like, dude, like. Do you like, feel like he was taking something away from you? I did. And he knows that. And yeah. He, like he was what? Taking away your sovereignty, your. Just my willingness that I know I can accomplish this and I don't need your help help because asking for help because I'm a female and I felt like, oh, because I'm a female. He's like, Janine. And that's when he's like, I know you don't want to do this. Like, I get it. I'll let you finish. Once we get to a certain point, I'll let you finish with your, your pack. He's like, I'm just letting you know that from here until pretty much the end, it's all uphill and we have to set up the tent. We have to set up camp before it gets dark. I felt like I had no choice because I feel like you're my boss, you know, even though we're out here. Yeah. Do you regret that? No, I I know it had to be done. Was I pissed at that point? Yes. I mean, I think I even cried a little bit when he did it. Me and him had a conversation afterwards on why I felt the way I felt. We had an understanding at the end and I get it. And no, I mean, I don't hold any resentment for it. And it taught you something valuable about yourself. It did, you know, and I get it. And I'm working on being a better team I you know better than what I thought I was already was a team player yeah anything else that you learned through that trip I mean yeah you need to be in better shape (laughs) (laughs) so the year of yes was valuable it was very valuable and I encourage anybody to do just one year and it's not just saying yes to everything it's also saying no if you're someone who says yes to everything it's saying no and when you don't really want to because there's sometimes that we say yes even though we don't want to say yes but we just say it because we feel like we have to say yes yeah and it's like saying no and that's okay yeah to say no mm-hmm. too you know so it's vice versa depending on which one is the way you swing more uh, was there anything else that you said yes to that you would have normally said no to yeah presenting in north central has this honors uh, the rail symposium which is a bunch of presentations from different 
students that they're present on different topics that they, they're doing. And I had wrote a paper in one of my classes about the double standards in sports, racial double standards in sports that they have. <clears throat> and so and my professor wrote a little note on my paper and be like, if you're interested, this could be a great presentation for the Raw Symposium. I would love to be your advisor on it. And I would have been like, no, like having all these people come talk to you and explaining your thoughts on this and probably defending yourself too for some people on the racial double standards that exist in sports. I was like, I ain't trying to be about that. But he's like, it's your choice. I would walk you through the whole thing. It's really not that extensive. You're just creating like a PowerPoint poster and then you're blowing it up and then people are just going to like walking around looking at it. You might get a few questions. You may not get any questions, you know. And I said yes. I technically say no, but I, I said yes to that. And it was a good experience as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and I remember this one student, she's like, thank you for doing this. This was needed. And I was like, yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you're of yes. You're of yes. Yeah. What type of support systems can educational providers provide for veterans that civilians aren't aware of? I think there's some things that they shouldn't do in classrooms that some professors might do. What is it? Like singling out um, veterans or asking them for their opinion on certain military or government stuff. And that's because some veterans don't like to self-identify as veterans, you know, and that's okay. And there's some veterans that are proud to be veterans. And yeah, they'll tell you the, the whole story. They'll answer any of your questions. But because you don't know the person as a professor, then you shouldn't. That's you a know, good point. We shouldn't, you don't know their history and don't you know don't know where story, they're at. You know, and so I've experienced both during college times. One professor actually came out and asked me, is it okay if I ask you this in class? I really feel like your opinion would be very valuable during this topic and, you know, it'd be good for the students to hear. And I appreciated that, that you came and asked me instead of putting me on the spot. And then you get the extremes and bless his heart. I really love this professor and nothing against him, but he was like, he, at this point, I was a grad student, so a lot of people already knew I was a veteran in the campus. But, you know, it was Veterans Day. And he's like, oh, I just want to thank Janine for Veterans Day, and we all need to give her a round of applause. It was embar- To me, it was embarrassing to be singled out. Like, I get it. You know, you're doing out of being appreciative and recognizing. I get it, and, and thank but you. But words of affirmation are not your juge, <laughs> unless, no. unless previously uh, I was a little embarrassed. Asked. Yeah, I was a little That's- embarrassed. You know, I get it. And I was like, I did not like that shit. That is good to know. So it's little things like know your veteran. If you know they're a veteran, then ask them if it's okay. Like it's a small, that's all you really have to do is ask them and they will tell you no. And then, you know, students, if you know they're a veteran, obviously don't ask like, did you kill somebody? Yeah. You know, did you go to war? Did you? You know, I feel like when a veteran's ready to open up to whoever, they will. I'm not saying don't ask them questions because everybody's inquiring, but you should know, who, yeah. you know, if they're willing to talk or not, yeah. you know, as a person, you can kind of like sense that. So I feel like it's just being respectful and asking if stuff's okay before. Yeah. Know your it. veteran. Know your veteran. And don't assume that they want to be called out, even if done in, in a seemingly appreciative, grateful way mm-hmm. of recognition that may not be welcomed by everyone. Right. That's really good. Yeah. I could totally, if I was a professor and I had a veteran and it was Veterans Day, 
<laughs> oh my god right totally but I, that literally embarrassed me I was like I probably tur- I turn red all the time when I get embarrassed I was like I was breaking the sweat I was so yeah <laughs> like, obviously if you still remember it today yeah when I walked out of class I was telling my friend I was like I can't believe you did that you know and sometimes even your friends that be like well you know my friends she's a veteran and I'll, and sometimes I'll be like do people really need to know that like sometimes I don't want people to know and some people sometimes it's okay it just I don't know. It do, you, just, do you like mind this podcast? <laughs> well, we've already talked about this. T- you you yeah. asked me. I it's did. not like you're like, like I gave you and I gave you bullet points. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk right. about this, this and this. Like I said, some veterans are okay with wanting the world to know other veterans and then some veterans just don't want people to know and that and and both are okay. Yeah. You know. And the helpful thing is when you have someone like you who's willing to speak up about those things that you don't like. And you're speaking from your preferences and your experience. It sheds light on people who, like me, I'm not aware. And it helps me understand better. And it helps me, like now, going forward, I'm going to be very mindful of that. I'm going to try to. Definitely wasn't something in my mind before. Mm -hmm. It's important. Yeah, in the college setting, I think it just lets them be more comfortable. Like they don't always have to feel like, okay, if a government issue or a military topic comes out, you have to be the spokesperson for all the veterans. And, you know, when I speak, I don't speak for all veterans. I speak for myself and my experiences because we all have different experiences. It's such a wide range of experiences. So when I choose to speak on it or when I write in a chapter, I just want people to make sure that this is my experience, my personal experience. It doesn't mean that the next Susie Joe who is serving experiences the same as mine because it's not. Her experience can be way worse or way better. You know, yeah. who knows? But I'm I'm not a veteran spokesperson for veterans. I'm my own spokesperson for my experiences. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and I respect everybody's veteran experience and they all differ. Yeah. Well said. What when you look back about your education, was it helpful? Was it useful? Well, I don't feel like you need a bachelor's or a master's. I feel like you can go to our trade school. You know how your company does these programs for different people to get into the IT field. You don't necessarily need a degree for it. So I feel like there's different avenues. Higher education is not for everybody. And the GI Bill pays for all those different avenues too. So I don't think that it's just college. you stuck to college. Right. But you went to college. I did um, because I didn't know what else to do. You know, I didn't. I, it's my whole life story. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just doing this it. It's kind of all of us. You know, like we don't doing. know what we're doing, but we're doing the next. Just whatever comes next to mind, step. I'm going to do. So, um, But you finished. I did. You graduated. I, bachelor's and then master's. I don't have my master's. You have your master's. But you don't need your master's. I know. I felt like, you know, at the age that I was when I got out, to be in a competitive level with people in my age group who have the experience that I'm lacking, I needed at least the education. And that's the only reason why I decided to go ahead and continue to get my master's because I feel like, well, I need some kind of competitive advantage here. And Mm -hmm. it's not my experience because I'm doing a complete career change. It's not like I'm staying in HR like I was. So I needed, I needed something. I needed help on something, you know, I needed hands up on something. It is so crazy to me how you felt like you were lacking in an experience after all of the experience you had. (laughs) But yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I wish, I hope you like, I, I get that mindset, but yeah. not everybody has that mindset, yeah. right? Like, because now I'm trying to get into the higher education industry, you yeah. know? Academia and is and, hard, not to 
crack. I know. Especially if you're vocal like you are. I know. I need to find my people. So college is out there. So this is the great thing about Janine is she doesn't sugarcoat anything. And she also... It could be my default, though. It can go either way, depending on the people that encounter me. (laughs) (laughs) So that experience that I had in the military when you're trying to get into higher ed, does it really count? You know, unless... Unless I want to go work with veterans like I'm currently yeah. in, you know? I mean, what made you want to work with veterans? Was it because you understood? I don't know. Uh, I think it was just the path that opened don't up to be a... there was a job <laughs> open. <laughs> no, it's, I, th- I think it's just the path that kind of continued to open up for me in that realm. And maybe it's my calling. I don't know. But it just seems that everywhere I turn, I end up turning towards the veteran side and yeah I can relate and you Mm -hmm. know talk to them but it's just where the road recently has taken me when you think about veterans who are basically Mm re-entry right from military to civilian and now you've had experience helping a lot of them connecting with them what are some struggles or mindset areas that are different from the average person that we should be aware of well i can only talk about my experience right because every veteran is completely different and i didn't really think about it until i started my graduate capstone paper where i created like a transitional course for veterans who were coming into higher education um, especially a four-year institute and you know i started looking at student development theories And I found one that I could relate to and I can apply my experience into the theory. And there's a part in there that in the theory that kind of made you realize that a lot of the way people react will be based on how they exited the military. Right. And that's not something I took into account because not everybody gets out of the military on good terms. Hmm. Right. Not everybody gets out of the military with a plan. Sometimes it's unexpected and you're kicked out or you get pregnant, get pregnant out of nowhere. And then you're like, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm out. You know, yeah, you get, you know, a a disability medical board and you have to get out and you weren't planning for it. You know, sometimes you get in trouble and you get kicked out, you know, and then there's people like me who want to get out, you know, you're going to get out and you plan for it. So there's just so many different ways a veteran can get out that affects the way they will adapt to society when they get here. Because if you're not mentally ready and you get thrown into it, you're like, what the fuck now? You know, and then that can lead to homelessness, food insecurities, not being able to cope, mental illness, trauma that you're trying to deal with that you didn't know you had until you got out. So many things will open up once you get out and you realize you're like, what do I do now? Yeah. Who do I go to? Is there support for that? I think there's so many resources out there, but a lot of people also don't know about them, right? So ever since I started working with veterans, I started to follow a lot of groups on Facebook, like the Illinois Veterans Resources on Facebook. They're always posting food drives that they're having or resources or workshops that they're having. I started following like the Midwest Homeless Shelter, which is a veterans homeless shelter. The VA, you know, they're always posting stuff about resources that they have. It's searching for them. You do have to have a, do a little bit of homework, unfortunately. And they tell you when you transition some of the resources that are out there too, but there's so many more that are out there. That are just not discovered by everyone who needs it. Mm-hmm. So where, is there like a, a veteran meetup 
or like a, a group? Is it Facebook groups? Is that how you connect with other veterans after the military? I think there's a lot of different kinds of groups. I mean, I do a lot of it on Facebook, right? We have a Boots to Beauties um, Facebook, which is all females, only female veterans. Some are still currently serving. I mean, it's thousands and thousands. So if, if you're a veteran or you're still serving, you haven't been part of a group, you should join. It's a sisterhood of people showing their accomplishments and people praising them, or maybe they're a first-time homebuyer and they're excited, people just wanting support. Maybe they're having a hard time and they need somebody to talk to. And they post on there and people just like rush to them or, you know, people are looking, have you gone to the school? Can anybody tell me about the school? So I think it's a good morale booster. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a good page for for women veterans who I feel like sometimes get neglected yeah. um, because a lot of the focus is our men, you know. Is that the case? Yeah, right. Because maybe the most majority of veterans are men. And I so think a lot of focus goes towards them. I mean, when you think of military, you think male, mm-hmm. you know. On top of that, you think white male, mm-hmm. you know, so. I don't know. I think brown and black male. Like when really? I think military, I think brown. and Because think about it. I have more people in my family that have been in the military than like college. <laughs> like then. <laughs> okay. I can see your point profession. on that. Definitely. I feel like, like so many people in my family went to military. Hardly any went to professional school. Not that one is better than the other, but I don't like that part. Because to your point, that's not the only option. And I want people to know that there are other options too. Definitely other options. I think maybe in the higher ranks, I think white Definitely male. Definitely white male. That's white male. the face of the military yeah. is a white male, I think, currently. Yeah. So, I mean, you don't think females like me that mm-hmm. join. And there's so many females yeah. that, that join. And not all of them have to look like guys. You know, mm-hmm. some are very feminine. But, but then are they now like targets? No. Like. Oh, I don't know. You know, like, <laughs> did, when you went, did you have all the guys like, boom? <laughs> no. No, when I went, There's I didn't look like this. And- <laughs> uh, I mean, of course. you. <laughs> I don't even know how to answer this question. <laughs> yes. Yes. No, I, I just feel like sometimes it depends on where you're stationed, right? Because I've never been to Korea. I had orders to go to Korea, but they got deleted because I got pregnant. But my friends that go to Korea or have been to Korea... You know, they sometimes say that it's like you're a princess for a year when you're out there because the ratio from male to female is so low of females compared to the guys. You know, okay, like, so that's an option if you're in the military and, <laughs> and you're you a woman, a make your way year. to Korea. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know. I've never been there, so I've never experienced it. I have no idea, you know. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just like any other pretty female that walks around here, and you know, guys are always going to think you're pretty or try to pursue you. If, yeah, you know, except there you're probably more equipped to be able, like to use that assert boundary, vocalize. Well, it depends on your personality. Not yeah. every female that's in is like that. I had a friend who was very, very shy, you know, very shy, very mink, stayed to herself a lot, didn't really speak, just did her job. How'd she do though? She did great. She ended up getting out early. She had no issues with anything because she stayed to herself, but she was always really quiet and very shy and. Mm-hmm. You know, did most of your people that you served with, did they get out? What do you call them? Like friends? <laughs> <laughs> Is there a term like comrade? Like friends? Yeah, battle buddies yeah. are the, I, I would count those as people who I have had stronger relationships, probably deployments with them that I've spent a great amount of time with them every single day to the point where you get tired of them because you're seeing them every day and you get no break from them, but I still love them. Yeah. You know, because you get to know them better. 
Yeah, you do. You yeah. get to know, know them a lot better. Yeah, there's actually it's a mix. Some just got out. Some got out a while ago. Some are still in. You know, some of them are doing great things, becoming officers and growing up in the ranks. And it's funny because you remember them when they were um, at a younger rank and then you're seeing them, you know, achieve. Yeah, it's great. Mm-hmm. Now you're out and you're investing your time and energy towards veteran affairs. What is it that you want now? Like you always said, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what next. Do you feel like you're in that same space right now? Yeah, I always feel like that. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I could tell you that I have the grand plan and I know what I'm doing next with my life, but I don't. I'm still trying to pursue my career in higher education. It's kind of hard with the pandemic going on and some colleges are in higher freezes. What's your dream job? Working in an environment that lets me be my authentic self, where I don't have to constantly code switch to fit a mold, right? And Mm -hmm. I think that's a very popular thing in higher education, where people feel like they have to be a certain way to fit in. But I want to be just be me and be accepted. But I also want to be able to work with diversity, you know, social justice, veterans too, or first generational students, since I also was one and I know the hardship of that. I need to work on my Spanish a little more and, you know, I will uh, like to work with those students who are maybe English is not their first language. Mm-hmm. Are you talking like a like a director of, of veteran affairs, director of multicultural affairs yeah. and uh, maybe director of diversity, equity, inclusion or f- with a focus on m- military members? I don't want to just generalize. You don't want to limit yourself. I, I don't. I don't want to stick just to, to veterans. They are part of my heart and soul i'm going to serve a lot of people not just them yeah i want to go where i can make the bigger impact and if that's veterans then so be it you know and if it's not then it's not there's some pushback in the higher education space about social justice and diversity inclusion to the degree that we've seen it recently which has i feel like escalated yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, on both sides, there's an escalation in in harms that we've seen and right. and actions against minorities and people of color and things like that. We've seen that for sure. But then we've also seen a rise in, I would say, more empathic approach, more safe spaces, more discussions, more dialogues, more activist groups. Right. And I think this is all great, but there has to be action behind it. And I don't mean to call on North Central, but... They didn't have diversity training for students until like, what, a year or two ago? Like, where has it been all these years? You, you've been recruiting these students of color, yet you don't have the environment for them here. So at what point do these talks come to like, okay, we got to now put yeah. it into action? And there's a story said during one of our uh, meetings that still sticks with me today because I find it so very true. If you plant lettuces in the garden and they don't grow, you don't blame the lettuce for not growing. You start looking into the environment around the soil, the sunlight. Did I plant it in the right way? Did did it need more water? Did it need more sun? And it applies in higher education, right? You don't blame the student for not growing. It's the environment. There's something in the environment that caused that student not to grow. And what that is, that's something that each college would have to look into. Maybe it's developmental classes that they need to have for some students that they're recruiting that maybe are not in the level of 
these other students, you know, and they need a little extra help. Maybe it's more resources. Maybe it's a first-generational program that you don't have at your college, but these students need it. Maybe it's having Spanish interpretation for events so that parents who don't speak English can understand what's going on for graduation or stuff like that, you know. Maybe it's hiring If you have a high diverse of Hispanic students, then hiring people who speak Spanish and having you hablo español on my name tag so they know that they can approach you and you can help them. It's just so many different things that you can do to be a more equity-minded school that I think schools really need to look at that because I feel like equity is the foundation to everything else. If you don't have an equitable environment then you won't have a successful diversity program where every voice is valued because you don't have an equity mindset. What is equity in higher education? Is equity more like affirmative action where you know we start trying to recruit more people of, of color or minorities or diverse people? Is that equity? Todd Dibramay, our CEO at Comtia, he stated it really well. I think this is a quote from someone else, so I won't attach it to him only. But he said, diversity is bringing more people to the table. Mm-hmm. Equity is giving them a seat and having them part of the discussion. And inclusion is having their voice be heard and have merit. And I feel like there's room for that in almost all scenarios. And it's not specific to gender. It's not mm-hmm. specific to race or religion. But there's room to allow us to hear people better. Mm-hmm. and to take action based off of what they say, if we care about those people. And right. that's why I think what you're saying is there's a lot of talking, but then the follow-up doesn't happen. Right. So like if, if you say you're an equitable school and you have these resources in place for your students, then have it in your mission statement. Have your money go there. You know, Hire faculty that look like me and you and the other students, not just, you know, sprinkles of people of color that are teaching have brave spaces for students of color that might need it you know have higher therapists of color it's just like make sure that whatever those type of students that you're recruiting into your school are going to be able to grow mm-hmm. you know you can't plant them there and then be gone and yeah. not water them mm-hmm. because they're not going to grow you want a diverse set of students all good and dandy. We'll get them. But what after that? Mm-hmm. Well, watch it. You want to work in higher education? <laughs> <laughs> They're going to be like, oh, oh, not this one. <laughs> and that's fine. You know, I'll find my people. No. I'll, I'll find people who value, you know, my ideas I, and thoughts. And that's where I want to be. I don't want to be somebody where, like, we're going to bring it in because you have good thoughts. We're not going to implement them. Yeah. No, you don't want that. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And you have great ideas and you're an implementer and you're very competitive and I would say programmatic, right? Uh, so in my mind, there's no one better. There really isn't. But I'm an acquired taste. I'm a little unruly and I know that. But I'm okay with that. I mean, <laughs> you had to be in some way in order to defy like traditional like standard or not go the traditional route of college. And and to your point, you said it wasn't really an option, but you kind of had to have that almost spirit of, I don't want to say defiance, but of almost a release. Like, okay, I'm going to give myself permission 
to say and think what I want, where, I mean, I promise you in so much of my career, I didn't give myself that permission. Mm -hmm. Like that's a brave thing. That's like a really brave thing, right? And uh, you allow yourself to unapologetically be yourself. I know, but like I said before, that can be a bad thing or a good thing. I don't know how to filter that out yet. And it's, it is something I'm trying to learn, even though I'm trying not to like code switch, you know, and I know you don't like that word, but I'm trying to figure out how not to, to be me, but not be, I guess, I don't know, so aggressive or, and I don't want the passion to go away. You know, but I don't know. I'm trying to it's find a hard a, balance. I'm trying to find. Yeah, I am trying I mean, to find a balance. I get that. That is like in your sense, you're aware of this. Hey, I can be a little bit more of the dissenter. Ooh, that's what I got right here from uh, in honor of RBG. Yeah. I dissent. You are basically that's like your slogan. I dissent. Because <laughs> you nice find things wrong. I like that because Janine also. What you guys don't know is on the podcast, she helps me so much <laughs> with finding everything that's broken. If it's a broken link, if it's a misspelled word, if it's something uh, visually that's not working, uh, you find things that are broken, mm-hmm. right? And then you vocalize it. And a lot of people don't want to hear it. I know. A lot of people don't want to hear it. We're going to go, la, la, la. <laughs> Where I could see everything that's right. Even if it's like looks bad, I could find the good easily. And you can find the bad. Right. And you're willing to say it. That can be a bad thing if I'm always concentrating on the negative and not the positive. Well, then that's what you work on. Right. It's the balance I need to find that I haven't found yet. And sometimes we find it in each other, Mm -hmm. right? And that's why it's so good to surround yourself with people who are different. Yeah. Who do have different personalities and to accept each other. Like there's times where if you're always finding things, the negative, and I'm always seeing the positive, there's bad in both of that if that's all we're going to do. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of, that's why we need each other. That's why we need each that other is as why people. We need it. You know? Yeah. Like else, who would have the bravery and the guts to say it, right? That's so true. That's you. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I had an interview, I won't say, with what school recently, which I probably won't get the job <laughs> because they're like... We're going to help you do this. <laughs> we're going to find a way to help it's you okay. find so your people. They were like... How would you show your commitment to the, the college? And I was like, I would change your mission statement because it's. <laughs> you said that to them? <gasps> You're supposed to go in with why you can support their mission. <laughs> and they're like, why would you do that? And I was like, because I don't think it's current with times today. And, you know, I just wanted an explaining why. Yeah, that's a hit or miss. I mean, I don't, I wasn't ready for that question. Like, who says that? You're, sometimes? you're like, honest. <laughs> your mission statement <laughs> sucks. <It> sucks. <laughs> I hope nobody from that school watches. <laughs> You're going to find your people. I mean, so here's the thing. Oh, that made me cry. You like, so we also do this thing every year called the Amazing Race. Mm-hmm. And Janina is the one who got me onto this race. And she really... Like, I only got you on because I needed physically fit <laughs> friends. <sighs> that used to be me, Janine. It still is. Your, her endurance is... Hey, I ran a I don't have. I don't have. Year. Yeah, I don't have that endurance. I wish I did, actually, though. And then this year... I like, envy that about you. <laughs> no. <laughs> you still have that endurance. Yeah. You do. I do. I do. That's with you in the blood. Uh, I know, right? Where did that, I get that from? I don't know. Ooh. I envy it. I Honestly, I might not have told you that, but I envy your endurance. Really? Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> because I don't I li- have it. I like. Well, I'll be ready to quit in a second. I'm I like your no ability more. to speak what's on your mind. I love that part about you. <clears throat> so one other thing. So we do the amazing race. 
And this girl, I mean, okay, this is how you know she's in the military because this is a program. This is a community center, like to to bring people together. And you got to find a team no, it's a competition. There ain't no bringing nobody she together. Cuts people, it's, <laughs> it's a competition. Every year, it's like I have to try out <laughs> to be on her team. <laughs> it's a competition, okay. Bottom line, that's what it is. I, I mean, we don't, we haven't won one yet. <laughs> But <laughs> too much information. <laughs> We've placed. We have placed in top three. Have we? Uh, three or five <laughs> numbers really don't matter. Okay, the fact is, we we placed. They weren't acknowledged placements, but we placed in our minds. They were acknowledged in our minds. Um, we just haven't won. And you I know who like, beats us? It's those police guys. Why do you know if they're cops? But well, they, okay, there's these police officer group well, that we always assume, kicks huh, We assume they're cops. They must be cops. Because they, they know. Because they, they know all the shortcuts. They know exactly where to go. They're tactical. <laughs> they have they come to come in be, a Jeep or they can just jump in and jump out. They yeah. don't even have to open car doors. They're, they're color coordinated. Like, <laughs> they're either cops or gangbangers. <laughs> like, who are they? <laughs> the mafia? I don't know, but they. And then the old people. Is that wrong for no. me to say here? I think that it's like a participation trophy. I don't think they really want. I There's no way. There is, I'm, you guys, when I say there is no way that grandma, grandpa, legit grandma, great grandma, great grandma, great grandpa, they beat us almost no, every year. There is no way. I know. When we're running past them at every single, and I, we're no, running. We are running. This is like, yeah, There's where the no hell, did, where, where do you come from? I don't know. <laughs> exactly. I think it's rigged. That's what I'm saying. My point in bringing that up was what? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, don't know. I'm searching now. I'm grabbing. Like, what can we talk about? Okay, we talked about diversity. We talked about uh, higher education. We talked about veterans and military. We didn't talk about motherhood as much. Mm-hmm. Friendship stories. We want to talk about friendship. Do you want to talk, talk about, about friendship? What would we talk about? I don't know. Said so she didn't like me when she first met me. So. She didn't like you when <laughs> she first met you. You're the same way with other people, though. I am, you though. You guys are the worst. I can't introduce them to anyone because they don't like anyone at first, and this one won't talk to people. <laughs> kind of freezes up. But professionally, she's great. But when it's like the friend thing, if she doesn't know them, she clams up too. And I've learned how to... I'm the one who goes out. I'm like the forager. <laughs> like, oh, look what I found. <laughs> oh, my friend. Look, look. Meat. <laughs> and then friend. no one likes each other <laughs> for like a while. And then after years of like, I actually am a very persistent friend here. <laughs> then it's like, oh, my God. We had so much in common. Oh, my God. And now you guys are like best friends. Yeah. No, I <laughs> didn't have a problem with when I first met her. She's the one that didn't like me. I think it's more of a self-protection like mechanism. Like You just don't open yourself up to outside people. I think every, every group needs something like that in some ways too, mm-hmm. right? Because I'm over here like bringing people in and y'all are like, mm-hmm. like can you stop? <laughs> we're like, we're fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. But this is why we need more people outside of our circle. Yeah, to talk to. And yeah. if it doesn't mean we have to be friends. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) We can be acquaintances. (laughs) Yeah, this is true. This is true. All right. Well, I think that's good. I think that's... Wait, going back to friendship, you're like, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, we're done. (laughs) Okay, bye. All right. Well, thank you. No, now I want to know what you wanted to say. I was going to ask you, have 
you always, I don't want, have you always struggled with building relationships with women? <laughs> well, I didn't know I had an issue, but know. okay, now I do. Um, have you always been clogged <laughs> in relationship building with other women? I think so. I think I've always, I don't know, found them as sometimes haters. And I think that comes a lot from the military. You know, women in the military can be catty for various reasons. And I found that a lot that happened to me, you know, women thinking you're prettier than someone else or it's just petty stuff. And I feel like that's just my mechanism, I guess, defense mechanism. It's just like close it off. I don't like you. I don't like you. I don't need you. Mm -hmm. Stay away. Yeah, basically. So how would I get in? (laughs) I think Lupita. You know, we weren't friends in high school and I don't think I liked you too much in high school anyways. Probably never told you that. Why? I don't know, because uh-huh. you're a girl. <laughs> oh, yeah, I do know why. I feel like me and our other friend were very, I don't want to say we were rebels, but we were like in the bad phase of our lives. You know, we're partying, skipping school. And here comes Andrea, St. Andrea, going to church. And come on, Lupita, let's go to church together. <laughs> let's go pray. <laughs> let's go to this Christian concert. So let's go to church. You know, and that was like, yeah, no, girl. Let's go to this party. We're going to buy to go have some drinks. Like that was our lifestyle. And you were taking like Lupita away from that and turning her into God, which is a little bad. <laughs> it sounds horrible and it's not a bad thing. But back then, it, to us, it was just like, yeah, I was taking like a such friend a away. Goody, goody, you know, like. Yeah. Such a goody goody and Andrew, like, why, you know, why do you want to go hang out with her? And now you're going to go to church and pray for us? <laughs> you know? And I just feel like you were too much of a goody goody. And not that I knew you, knew you. I'd never talked to you. I just saw you from afar. So and I look how great of friends we are. Yeah. <laughs> look how all those years we missed out because someone <laughs> had a, someone that would remain nameless. <laughs> I wasn't eight. I just. Hater. <laughs> no, you had nothing that I wanted. I just, well, besides Lupita, I guess. <laughs> like, what made you open up? At some point, you chose, like, hey, she's actually pretty cool. <laughs> what was it? Um, looking you fishing for compliments. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I, I can give myself my compliments <laughs> easily. No, I don't, I don't know. I just think being around Lupita, you know, her being still friends with you after all these years, and I've been, like, trying to, Fix that relationship with Lupita and then you kind of being the mediator with that and just. Well, I'm glad that you opened up. Like, I'm glad that we built a relationship. Life is better. Yeah, for sure. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Nothing else to say about that. Yeah. Life's good. Life's good. All right. Well, everyone, now you have Janine's life story. (laughs) Help her. Don't judge me too hard. Job. (laughs) Program director. Multicultural affairs, veteran affairs, something, something in helping other people figure out their shit while you figure out your shit. We can figure out our shit together. I figure out my (laughs) shit because. No, I think I, you know, I think you're doing great here. I think you figured out your calling. So that's always a good thing. Yeah. I'm just going broke doing it. (laughs) It's not making me any money. Not yet, but it will. (laughs) Not yet. You know. Yeah. The turtle won the race. Well, thank you for your help with that. I appreciate it. All right, Janine, this is fun. It was. Great talking to you. Next time. Yeah. Bye. Bye. (laughs) 
Thank you for listening to Tuesdays with Andrea. There are hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there, and I appreciate you making the time to listen to mine. If you like this show and want to know more, check out TuesdaysWithAndrea.com or please leave a review on iTunes or drop a line in the YouTube comment section. Until next time, please stay kind in your mind, nice on the web, and stay hella hopeful in your heart.